Great. Well, for those who don't know, um, we're in a series on discipleship, and you can get one of these um, out in the bookshop afterwards. Uh, very cheap, two pounds, I think. Hands up, who has got one of these already? You've already a lot of you. There's a lot of you who haven't get hold of one of these. I'd urge you. Uh, and uh, this is going to be foundational for us moving forward as a community. You know, um, some of the last recorded words of Jesus after he was raised from the dead, before he ascended to heaven, was go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Go into all the world and make disciples. We are called to, the word disciple means to be a learner, someone who's learning to live like Jesus. This, what he's saying is this news is too good to keep to yourselves, you know? I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant and thought, this restaurant was great, I'm not going to tell anyone. Has anyone ever, I have done that actually. I've said to Caroline, don't tell anyone about this place. And, uh, and there's something about it, when you get something good, you kind of want to keep it to yourself. This is just me, isn't it? I just feel really selfish now. Uh, but there's something about it, isn't it? You find something good, you just want to keep it to yourself. But Jesus is saying, this stuff is too good. To, this, is, this life change, this transformation, this encounter with me, this relationship with the Father, it's too good to keep to yourself. You are called to make disciples of others so that they too will learn to follow me and to be uh, like me and to live like me. And this, this is the, we are to make disciples of all the nations. We're going to make disciples of all the nations. Is that, does that make you happy? Some of you are like, I, I, I don't, I'm not up with it. We are going to make disciples of every nation. I, I, I frequently, I had an email a few uh, months ago from a lady in Cambodia. She said, I always listen to the King's Arms preach. I was like, you're in Cambodia, for goodness sake. How do you get hold of it? We are making disciples of all nations. That's what we are called to do. And so we're in a series at the moment going back to the foundations of what kind of disciples are we going to make. So I'd urge you to get one of these books. And we've been looking at eight foundations. You'll see them right at the beginning uh, of the book. You can understand really what do we think are foundational uh, principles, foundational ideas to discipleship. Firstly, we've looked at some already that we're dead without God, no hope without God. Secondly, that our identity has been transformed. Thirdly, we're saints, not sinners. You can read about that and hear what that means. Fourthly, we are changed by the Spirit. That's what we're going to look at this, this morning and on and on and on. And you'll notice that the first letters of those uh, were, uh, sense phrases all spell the word Oh, look at that. You can, you, that's what you pay your money for right there. You're not happy enough. That was Phil Wilthew's hard work there. Spent him hours of uh, sweat, blood and tears. And we gave him a little bit of help as well. But here's some, so I'd urge you to get hold of a copy of this. And, and this morning we're going to talk about changed by the Spirit. You know, I love the Holy Spirit. My, the Holy Spirit is my best friend, he's my counsellor, he's my guide, he's the one who empowers me and gives me a reason to get up in the morning. I love the Holy Spirit, I love talking about the Holy Spirit. So prepare yourselves this morning. Many of you will have heard sermons, messages on the Holy Spirit, some of you never before, some of you many times before. Whatever, wherever you're coming at this this morning, open your hearts afresh. You can't get enough of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> You cannot get enough of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, this is going to turn your world upside down, I tell you, today. I don't want to overpromise, but seriously, you can't overpromise as far as the Holy Spirit is concerned. This will turn your world upside down if you believe what I'm telling you this morning. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you came. You were sent to turn our worlds upside down. And as you did with the earliest disciples, as you've done in my life, as you've done with many people here, do it again afresh this morning. Let, it, let this message never get old. Let it never grow stale. Let us be enthused and empowered afresh 
as we encounter your life. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, my story was I grew up going to church, but I never heard anything about the Holy Spirit. I gave my life to Christ when I was about 12, but there was no talking about the Holy Spirit. And I felt... What did I feel? When I read the Bible, I felt like these guys have got something different to what I've got. I felt there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more. I guess in one sense, I still live with that feeling, but I really felt it then. There's got to be more than this. And, and in the church, there was a bookshelf, and at the back, I would read the book, stories of uh, guys like Finney, Charles Finney, who lived in the, 1900, in the 1800s. And his story, you know, he would just walk in the room, and people would just give their lives to Christ. He walked into an office block one time, and, uh, and people just literally started falling off their workstations on their knees, saying, what do I need to do to become a Christian? I was like, this is not normal for me. This doesn't happen where I go. Something was different. He had something. I'd read about guys like D.L. Moody. Let me read you the story that I read when I was about 13 or 14. In his, he lived in the 1900s. In his early days, Moody had a tremendous desire to do something, but he had no real power. But there were two humble women who used to come over to his meetings. One was Auntie Cook and the other was Mrs. Snow. Thank God for the Auntie Cooks and Mrs. Snows of this world. And these two women would come to Mr. Moody at the close of his meetings and say, we are praying for you. It must have been so discouraging. <laughs> He's like preaching. And, and, and they said, we are praying for you. Finally, Mr. Moody became somewhat nettled. I love that. He became somewhat nettled by them and said to them one night, why are you praying for me? Why don't you pray for the people who are not yet saved? They replied, we are praying that you get some power. <laughs> that is discouraging right there. I don't know how you take that, but that is discouraging. We are praying that you get some power. He didn't know what it meant, but he got to thinking, and he went to this woman and said, I wish you'd tell me what you mean. And they said, we want to talk to you about the, the baptism, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, then don't pray for me. Let me pray with you. Not long after that, one day on his way to England, he was walking up and down Wall Street on New York, and in the midst of the bustle and the hurry of the city, his prayer was answered. The power of God fell on him. And as he walked up the street, he had to hurry off to the house of a friend that he might have a room by himself. And in that room, he stayed alone for hours. And the Holy Spirit came upon him, filling his soul with such joy that he had to ask God, hold back your hand, or I'm going to die from joy. And he went, <laughs> well, that's happy right there. And he went right from that place with the power of the Spirit upon him. And he got to London, partly through the prayers of a friend. He ended up in London and the power of God worked mightily through him in North London and hundreds were added to the churches in those days and it began a worldwide ministry of D.L. Moody through one encounter with the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. And I would read stuff like this and I was like, God, I've got to have this. I've got to have this. And, and I was desperate. I was 14 years old. I was desperate. I remember one night I lay on my bed. I said, God, I'm not getting out of this bed until you fill me with the Holy Spirit. I know many teenagers have said that for other reasons, but I was like, until you fill me with the Spirit, I am not getting out of this bed. And what happened? I fell asleep about four in the afternoon and, <laughs> and I woke up and I don't know, needed to get no, nothing happened. And then I went, to, I thought I'll go to a different church. So I went to a different church and I went to one that I knew was that, that they'd said that they had people filled with the Spirit. So I thought, right, I'll go there. So in the worship time, I was there and a guy came up to me and said, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I was so excited. I said, yes, I do. That's why I've come. How did you know? Like, the songs are going on and he was speaking to me at the back and he said, okay, let me pray for you. So he prayed for me and nothing happened. And he said, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. I said, I don't know how I am. And he just walked off and left me there I was like, oh. so I was left in this state you know 
I want to talk about the background of the Holy Spirit because I wish I knew then what I know now. I'm glad to tell some of you who've never heard this stuff before and to remind some of you who had. The the background of the Spirit is this, that, that the Holy Spirit, if you read right the way through the Old Testament, He came on particular people at particular times. The, the, the people were familiar with this. You know, they heard the stories of Gideon, of Samson, you know, filled with the power of God. They'd heard these stories before. And, and, and you know, they, they heard the stories of Elijah, who the Spirit of God came on him so much that he outran a chariot. I mean, no Lycra, no Nike sponsorship. He outran a chariot because of the power of the Spirit. They were used to these stories of people being filled with the power of the Spirit. And we even hear stories today. A friend of mine was telling me uh, just a few months ago, he was, a guy came up to him at the end of a meeting and he, he said, I'm can you pray for my dad? He's really sick. He said, sure, where is he? He said, well, he's not here. He said, well, okay, let's just pray together. And he said, he put his hand on the man's shoulder and immediately in his mind's eye, he was standing in another, another room. And he was like, uh, uh, this is strange. He said, I'd, let me just describe this room. And he said, it's got this color curtains and there's a bed on this side. And he said, the guy said, that's my dad's room. That's where he is. He said, yeah, you're right. There's an old man laying down on the bed. And he, and he said, describe the man to me. And so he described this old man. He said, that's my dad. He said, okay, I can see your dad. He said, I'm just going to walk over and pray for him. So he lays hands on this guy's dad in another room that he's not in. I don't get it. And he lays hands on him. And then uh, that was it. They finished the prayer. Well, the guy came up to him uh, uh, like an hour or so later. He said, I've just rung my dad. My dad's been completely healed. <laughs> the, <laughs> these things happen. But you read the Old Testament and it's a few people, special people at special times in special occasions that the Spirit comes on. And and then Joel, Joel was this nutty prophet who said, you know what, there's coming a day, he said, when everyone will be filled with the Holy Spirit. All flesh, he said. And he said, what does that mean, all flesh? What, dogs and cats as well? I don't know. What, what does that mean, all flesh? And the people had no clue what he was talking about. But he said, one day, all flesh will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we look on, and then John the Baptist comes, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And he says two things about Jesus. The one that he came to announce. He says, firstly, he will take away the sins of the world. And he said, secondly, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And the people start to get excited, but they still haven't got a clue what's going on. Because then Jesus doesn't even talk about the Holy Spirit, really. I mean, a few bits here and there, but not really. He certainly doesn't talk about baptizing anyone in the Holy Spirit. And so then he dies. And then he's raised, resurrected. And then right before he ascends to be with the Father, this is what he says in Acts chapter 1. He ordered them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse eight, you will receive power when the Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This was the pivotal point in history, because he said the promise of the Father is now. It's not far. In fact, it was 10 days later, they were in an upper room and boom, the world changed forever. Because no longer was the Spirit just on a few special people at special times for special purposes. He was poured out on anyone who was a child of the Father. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5.18. 
Don't get drunk with wine. You don't need that stuff anymore. That leads to debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. He's not saying don't get drunk. He's saying don't get drunk with the wrong stuff. (laughs) He said there is a vintage of heaven that is far greater than any vintage you've ever tasted before. Get filled with that stuff. Get filled with that stuff. And that's what happens. And when we look at the early church, we see what happened to them. Let me just remind you or tell you for the first time. Firstly, it was widespread. It was not just a few, just the apostles, just the ones who'd been around Jesus. It was widespread. People were filled with power from on high. They turned the Roman world upside down in their day. A man who was called Ananias prayed for Paul. We never hear of Ananias again. And yet he was the one who prayed for Paul, the most influential church leader of his day. He was the one who prayed for Paul to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias did it. Who's Ananias? I don't know. We're going to meet him in heaven in eternity. You never hear anything else about him. He was an unknown, as it were, an ordinary believer. He was the one who prayed for Paul. It was widespread. The Holy Spirit was coming on all his people. And you know, for me, I'd heard so many mistruths, so many half-truths about the Holy Spirit. They said, you've got to pray more. You've got, to, you've got to sort your life out, Simon, and stop sinning and do this and do that. And I did it all and I tried to do it all, but nothing, nothing. And in the end, I just gave up. I just gave up. I thought, I just don't get this anymore. I've read every book. I've been to everything. I just, I just give up. Maybe he's right. Maybe I am resisting, but I don't know why or how. And then I was at university and uh, in my third year, second year. And uh, it, was, it was interesting because we had a unity in the university as long as you didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. It was like, we're, we're all friends together, just don't mention the Holy Spirit. That's how it was. So we, did, we didn't mention the Holy Spirit because people got upset. Because they, they, they just didn't like talking about the Holy Spirit. It upset them. So oh, that was fine. We were good friends apart from if you mentioned the Holy Spirit. So we didn't. And somehow this guy got in to speak. I mean, I don't know how he got in there because he came from Kensington Temple, which was one of the craziest Pentecostal churches in London at the time. And he spoke. And as he spoke, I don't know what he spoke on. I can't remember what he spoke on. But I tell you what, the power of God fell on that room. And at the end, he said, anyone want to come to the front? Who Respond to God. And out of 120 people, students, 60 of us ran to the front. And we were crying and God was filling us and the, jan- the janitor was there waving his hands. Oh, you horrible Lord, get out of here. You know. So we had to leave and so he said, come back to a, why don't we go back to my friend's house. It's like a, this small house. And so we went back to this kind of small house, 60 of us crammed in there. And I tell you what, it was like a heaven. I mean, the police got called halfway through. It was so noisy. <laughs> it was like halfway through, ding dong, what's going on here then? You know, it's like... <laughs> Um, people are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Goodbye. I mean, it was like that. People, their lives were being turned upside down as God's power flooded them, and turned their world upside down. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit that night. It, it was bizarre how it happened because I, I, I didn't have to read any books or pray more or do anything. I just had to. At the end of it, he said, "Does anyone want to be filled with the Spirit? I'm going to pray and count to three and click my fingers, and you will be filled." I was like, "All right, I do." So he prayed. He counted to three. I don't know what that was about. It could have been five or ten, maybe. I don't know. He counted to three. He clicked his fingers. Boom, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd done nothing different to all the other times, but suddenly it came, and I was turned upside down as a person. I was changed. 
You know about my fear of public speaking. I, I felt God say to me, you need to call the students to pray. I was like, God, I can't speak in front of anyone. He said, get up the front of the CU, find an opportunity, call them to pray. And so I did, I got up there, I had five minutes, they gave me five minutes in one meeting and I said, God says that we need to pray and we need to, get, we need to pray on Monday morning at 6 a.m. <laughs> I was like, God, no one's going to turn up to that. <laughs> the next Monday, 60 students turned up to pray. <laughs> After a five-minute speech, 60 students, and they prayed for two whole terms every Monday, 6 a.m., 6 to 7.30 a.m. Why? Something had changed in me. I'd got filled with the Holy Spirit. It was widespread. It wasn't just, not just for the, 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 the special people. It was for everyone. And secondly, it was ongoing. This wasn't an ordinary one-off, uh, an extraordinary one-off occurrence. You read in Acts 4, they were filled with the Spirit. Acts 13, they were filled with the Spirit again. This was an ongoing thing. You know, the, the, the phrase that Paul uses, be filled with the Spirit, in the, in the original languages, that phrase is an imperative, and it's a present tense. It could be better translated, be being filled with the Spirit. <laughs> This is an ongoing thing for all believers. This is not something that you just got once when you were 20 or when you first became a Christian or a few years later. This is an ongoing thing. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is how we are called to live. You know, the word as well is, is, is a passive word. We don't have passive words in English, but in the original language they have passive words and a passive word is where, where you are being acted upon. So this isn't something you've got to summon up. This is about something that you receive. Be being filled by the Spirit. He is the one who will fill you. It's not about performance. It's about posture. That might be the best point I made all day. It's not about performance. It's about posture. Be being filled by Him. So you have, if you've been told you've got to do this and got to do that and got to you know, pop it out, no. <laughs> Be being filled by the Spirit is an ongoing thing. The message translation puts like this, don't drink too much wine, it cheapens your life. Drink in the Spirit of God, huge drafts of Him. It's an ongoing thing. You can be filled any time. Be careful when you're cycling. Uh, seriously, a friend of mine, his father was in Tehran, a Muslim. He got a job as a translator in the Baptist University there. He translated, he got, gave his life to Christ. He was cycling home one day and said, Holy Spirit, oh, he said, God, what is this about being filled with the Holy Spirit? They won't teach me anything about this at the Baptist University. And the Holy Spirit said, boom, that's what it's about. And he fell off his bike <laughs> and started a revival in Tehran. <laughs> I, I asked the Lord to fill me on my bike once and nearly fell off as well. Be careful when you're cycling, but you can be filled any time. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's empowering. What you see in the early church is an empowered church. You see timid people going to be bold people. Silver and gold. You know, Peter and John, they're walking into the temple. These are the people who denied Jesus, and yet a few uh, years later... A few months later, they're at the temple and there's a, a lame man. And they could have just walked past. He wasn't expecting anything. He wasn't saying, heal me. No, no, no. But they stop and say, we've got nothing to give you apart from this. Get up in Jesus' name. <laughs> they provoke the situation because they were empowered. It was like, and that, that's the interesting thing about this word filled. When we think about filled, you perhaps think about a cup being filled. Or you think about something being 
poured in, don't you? That's kind of what I think of being filled. But actually the, the, the original word to be filled that Paul talks about when he says be filled, that the original word has got more to do with a, a sense of, of pressure. More to do, it's, it's the same word that is used when a sail is filled with wind. And so that the sail is filled with wind or a twig being pushed down a stream. That's that same word. It's that sense of propulsion. It's a sense of pressure. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be, as it were, until it pours out of you. That kind of filling, that's what it's talking about. It carries this sense of nuance with it. And, and so be ready for the filling of the Spirit. Be postured for the filling of the Spirit to pour out of you wherever you go. That it, that, you know, last Sunday, I was, a guy came down the front, and, and as people come for the front for ministry, I like to pray for them. He came down with a, he said he had a knee condition, and would I pray for him? I put my hand on his knee, and, and he had pain between five and eight out of ten, and had it for five years, he said. And I put my hand on his knee. He, I said, what's happening? He said, my knee is red hot. It's burning hot. I, I said, I think that's a, a good thing. He said, I said, is the pain gone? He said, the pain is completely gone. Now, it's what, sorry? Still gone a week later, praise God. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't run around after and say, oh, look at my magic hand, I've got a magic hand. Everyone, I've got a magic hand. Come, let me put my magic hand. I didn't do that, why? Because it's about the empowering of the Spirit. It's not about my magic hand. I've got a really good left hand as well. It's about the empowering of the Spirit. It's not about me, it's about Him. Filling us such that it pours out of us wherever we go. Be filled with the Spirit. You know, I, I, I didn't used to expect anything before when I prayed. I, I had such little expectation. But I've realized that as we get filled with the Spirit, He pours out of us. It's the transforming work. You know, our character gets changed. That's the, the second sense of this word, to be filled. It's got a sense, not so much of pouring in like this, but a sense of permeation. You know when you put like an aspirin in a glass and it fizzles of water and, it, and ultimately the aspirin disappears and then you've, you've got, it's all one. <laughs> it's permeated right the way through. That's the sense that this word has got. To, to be filled means to be permeated, which is good news because it means that your trans, transformation of your character, those sticky areas, the things that you think, oh, I just can't change on this, Instead of trying harder, and of course we've got to align ourselves, but instead of just trying harder, we can say, Holy Spirit, fill me. <laughs> you know, Stephen, one of the earliest disciples, when he's being stoned, and he says, Father, forgive them, that doesn't come from a human being. That's a work of the Spirit. That's a work of the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be permeated such that your character is like Christ. So often we think we begin by the Spirit, but we end up trying to change ourselves by hard work and effort. And, and yes, we've got to align ourselves, but ultimately it's about the Holy Spirit transforming our character. And then the, the last sense is the sense of guiding. The, the sense of the word filled. It's also the word that's used to, to say uh, um, the, the Pharisees, it says, were filled with rage. The, 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 the disciples were filled with fear. It's to be so kind of overcome by something that it changes your direction. It moves you in a certain direction. The Spirit is one who comes alongside to guide us, to direct us. So to be filled means to be guided, to be directed. Do you, are you postured such? Am I postured such that he is the guiding force? That he is the one who leads us on. 
You know, I was, I was talking with a pastor one time, and as I was talking with him, the Holy Spirit was saying to me all the time, he's saying how successful everything was going and everything was brilliant, and the Holy Spirit was saying to me, ask him about his wife, ask him about his wife. I was like, Lord, this is not the moment, ask him about his wife. He's just telling me how everything's going so well, asking about his wife, asking about his wife, asking about his wife. We went through 30 minutes, I was like, it was like literally, okay, all right. And I didn't even know his wife. I said, how's your wife? He said, yeah, I think we're breaking up. I think our marriage is over. It was a moment where we were to break in, get below the surface of ministry and break into his heart. See what's going on in the deep place. Are we guided by the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is one who comes to guide. So just as we finish, and I want to I pray, how do we get filled? How do we stay filled? Jesus said this, one of the few passages where he talks about the Holy Spirit, he said this, on the last day of the feast in John 7, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Spirit has said, out of his belly will come rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. A few words out of that. Firstly, are you thirsty? <laughs> In one sense, when we receive the Spirit, we stop being thirsty, but in another sense, we're to maintain that level of thirst. We're to maintain that level of, God, you've got to fill me again. But Jesus says, you know, people have told me you've got to be more holy. Jesus didn't say, is anyone here holy? He said, is anyone thirsty? <laughs> are you thirsty for more? Because I've noticed that people, Jesus doesn't tend to fill those who are satisfied. He doesn't tend to fill those who are just like, do you know what, I've had as enough. I just, just take it or leave it. He fills the thirsty. He fills the thirsty. It's that sense of, God, I want more power. I want more, more transformation. I want to see you using me and our community more. It's that sense of thirst that he's talking about. He fills the thirsty. You know, sometimes uh, my kids, particularly when they were younger, they would come up with their mouth full of cake. I remember a time with my daughter when she was young, she came up, she's like, mouthful of hair. I want some crisps. <laughs> she can barely speak. I want some crisps. Uh, and I was like, sorry? I want some crisps. <laughs> cri like cake like sprang out. I want some crisps. And this is the best moment of parenting. It's that moment where you kind of get revenge on the world where you can say, don't speak with your mouth full. I mean, I don't know why that feels so good as a parent, but parents, you know that, don't you? Because you've had it said so many times to you when you're a child that the moment that you actually get to say it, it feels like, almost like a sense of completeness, almost like <laughs> I finally got divine justice for all the wrongs in my life. Don't speak with my, your mouth full. So I said, don't speak with your mouth full because it just felt so good. Uh, <laughs> and then what do you say? You say, when you finish what's in your mouth, you can have some more. When you finish what's in your mouth, I think for many of us, the Holy Spirit would say, when you finish what, when you finished <laughs> what's in your mouth, then I can fill you. When you finish. Because so often we turn to all the other stuff, don't we? We've got this need, we've got this desire, and we try and fix it through all the other, but there's that point where the Holy Spirit, when you finished, then I can fill you. I can fill you. Are you thirsty? And then he says, whoever believes in me. It's a sense of belief that he's a good father. Jesus said he's a good father who loves to give the Holy Spirit. I, this is where I went wrong. This is what no one told me. I spent years begging for God to fill me with the Holy Spirit. When you find yourself begging God to do something, stop. Stop right there. You got it wrong. 
You've got it wrong. I know because I've been in that place myself. When you're begging, you are not coming as a son, you're coming as a slave. Slaves beg. Orphans beg. Sons do not beg. Sons do not beg. If my kids ever beg me for anything, I know that there's something wrong. There's something wrong. We've got to talk about our relationship. Begging isn't healthy father-son relationship. Don't beg God. Don't beg him. Come in belief and say, Father, you love to give your Holy Spirit to those who ask you. Jesus, you died and were raised again so that you would give the Holy Spirit. You would fill me with your... In any, in any era, but particularly in this area, come as a son to the Father. Believe in me. That's what Jesus said. Believe that I've come to do it. And then he says, come to me. You know, what I thought was you had to go to the right person. You know, you had to find the man of power for the hour, someone who would lay his sweaty hands on your sweaty head. And you had to go to the right church or the right place and be at the right time. It had to be a Wednesday at 8 o'clock because, you know, it had to all be right. But Jesus didn't say. And, and, you know, people can lay hands on us and we can receive an impartation. You know, I never used to dream any dreams. I used to say, I don't ever dream dreams. Caroline would have these prophetic dreams. God would speak to us. I was like, it never happens to me. She said, all right, well, I pray for you. She prayed for me. Boom. I have dream after dream after it. Sometimes I'm like, I just want to sleep. I have so many dreams. I believe in impartation. I believe that that happens. But fundamentally, Jesus didn't say, go to this person or that one. He said, come to me. You know, whenever you go anywhere or here or anywhere else and someone's praying for you, don't look for the person who's praying. Don't look to them. Look to Jesus. Come to him. He is the one, John said, who will baptize you, who will fill you with the Spirit. And in our discipleship of ourselves and others, we've got to be pointing people not to us, but to Jesus. Come to him. He is the one who fills. And then drink. Drink. You know, what do you do when you drink? I don't know if you've ever, have you ever had a drink when someone else is holding the, the thing that's pouring out the bottle or whatever, or the, the, the jug or whatever it is. Has, have you ever had that experience where you're, it's a weird experience, isn't it? Because you're like, is this going to go over my face or down my back? Or it's like, but you kind of have to just, you just have to posture yourself, don't you? To, to, to help me here. You have to posture yourself to, to drink and there's this kind of like slight weight and then you have to, there's like this trust where you have to open your mouth. I remember teaching my son to drink. Caleb, and I remember it vividly because he really wanted to get rid of this bottle thing and drink, but he had just no clue. And so he would be like chucking it over his shoulder, over his head. You know, I had to teach him to drink. And you forget, don't you, that you had to learn to drink. It's so natural uh, now. I know some of you do still spill, but uh, it's so so natural. I do as well. It's so natural now, mostly, to drink. We, We forget, but it's the same with the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to drink. You have to learn to drink when things are have gone completely pear-shaped. When your life is in a mess, you have to learn to drink when things are great. You have to learn to drink in the workplace when you're facing a difficult meeting, when your hand is on the door and you're going in. You have to learn to drink. You have to learn to drink and say, Holy Spirit, I want to learn to drink in every circumstance. Paul and Silas, stinking prison, stinking prison cell, they drink. (laughs) And joy bubbles out from within inside. Be aware, sometimes it comes in waves, the Holy Spirit. Don't rush on too quickly. Sometimes people are, they come to us, I'm desperate for the Holy Spirit, will you pray for me? I pray for them, God touches them. Sometimes they fall over, sometimes they don't, but sometimes they do. Two minutes later, they're at the back having a coffee. I'm like, well, how desperate were you exactly? 
You've got to get desperate. Learn to linger longer, as a friend of mine says. Learn to stay in his presence and learn to drink. Get out of analysis as well when you want to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, did you know that the, the mouth has more germs per square centimeter than any other part of the human body? Did you know that? Why do people kiss? I mean, think about it. Why do people kiss? Because the mouth has more germs than any other part of the human body. We should shake hands. Why do people kiss? You can, you can. Why do people kiss? Because they're not in analysis mode. They're in romance mode. All of that data goes on the back burner. All of that data goes, even though they might know that, and some of you are like, you've ruined my life now, Simon. I didn't know that, and now I do. <laughs> Uh, the reality is you're not in analysis mode, you're in romance mode when you kiss. And so in the same way, when we approach the Holy Spirit, it's about relationship. We posture ourselves in relationship, not analysis. And should I do this? And should I do that? And what if I've done this? And what about that? And stop. The cog, I was like that. The cogs were churning and churning and churning. Stop. Allow him to fill you. <laughs> Come and drink. And don't try and pray too hard. Relax. Sometimes I pray with people. They want a fresh filling or a first time filling with the Spirit. And they're so, they're like, yes, I believe, I believe, I really believe. Like, you really are making this harder, you know. <laughs> Stop, relax. There's nothing about that that's going to help here. <sighs> relax. Drink. <laughs> he is the one who fills us. I was at university and not long after this experience for me, a, a girl came to me and she said, would you pray for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit like you have been filled with the Holy Spirit? I said, sure. I said, why don't you come over to my house? And then when she was coming over, I thought, where, 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 where are we going to, this is awkward. Maybe she thinks I fancy her or, oh no, this is really awkward. And then I thought, oh no, because all my housemates were unbelievers. I thought, I can't, we can't go in the dining room or the lounge. I'm going to have to take her into my bedroom. Oh, this is really awkward. So she comes and I was like, okay, we've got to go into my bedroom. Oh! And I said, well, you sit on that chair there and I'll sit on the end of the bed so there we are very very awkward both of us and I said okay well let me explain you know you don't have to da, 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 all the things that I've just told you and I said okay now I'm going to pray and so I prayed the shortest prayer that I possibly could pray come Holy Spirit fill her it's a gift she's your daughter bloody bloody blah getting through it as fast as I could and at the end I said has anything happened she said no I said okay well you, okay well maybe it happened in a few days you better go now then <laughs> <laughs> and it was so long, she wanted to go. She didn't want to be there either. It was horrible. Anyway, she phoned me when she got home. She said, as I was walking home, the Holy Spirit totally filled me. <laughs> For the first time, she said, it's amazing, isn't it? I was like, oh, I'm so glad it happened kind of outside. <laughs> it's for everyone. <laughs> we are carriers and called to be carriers of the Holy Spirit. And for some of you, this is going to be your first time you're going to get filled. And he's going to pour out gifts and life into you. There's a lady in the first service, never been filled with the Spirit before. Some of you, this is a refilling. You've got dry, you've drifted off, it's time to come back. We are a Spirit-empowered people. It's not about what we do or what we have to work up. It's about drinking. <laughs> come and receive.